This is Baldy's Breakdowns, the podcast, a radio.com sports original. Happy holidays. Here we go into the NFL stretch run. This is Baldy's Breakdowns. I am Jason Lockenfora. I have the honor, as always, we we drop these every Wednesday of, of chatting with my buddy, Brian Baldinger, who covers the league from an X's and O's standpoint like no one else. You can find us here again every Wednesday and check us out on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast goodness. Please rate, review us. Um, let us know what you think. Drop some comments there. Hit me up through the course of the week at Jason Lock and Fora on Twitter. Hit Baldy up and be sure to check all of Baldy's Twitter breakdowns with the video and all that good stuff at Baldy NFL. We have another week where Knockwood games were played regularly. Players and coaches um, are remarkably healthy as we head into the stretch run, Baldy. And uh, we're, we're, we're starting to see some teams earn their ticket to the dance. Some teams fall by the wayside. And it feels like the field is thinning out, Baldy, in terms of each week. You know, what really is going to matter for January and who's playing out the string? Oh, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think Buffalo just proved once again, that this team is is for real, that they're constructed the right way. They play the game the right way. Baltimore is playing their way back in uh, to the tournament with, uh, you know, with one of the most entertaining games all year, but really in recent in recent memory. I mean, the drama of Lamar Jackson uh, out of the game, back into the game, the injury to Trace McSorley, uh, Baker Mayfield's play to bring the team back. I mean, it was just, it was just one of those games where you go, well, that was fun. That was fun. That we, you know, it's one of those games you go, we hope and I hope we see these two teams in the playoffs because, uh, you know, they, they, and then it's to see where Cleveland was. We all saw Cleveland against Baltimore week one, right, uh, Jason? And then we, we said they'd be different games. We said throw out that film and we were right. Yeah. And so you, you see a team that has improved under tremendous leadership and guidance of Kevin Stefanski and see where that team is now. Um, you know, they're going to be the way that they can run the ball and the way that they claw and fight that that team can upset teams in the playoffs uh, to see Baltimore rebuild their offensive line, come back and, and really do what they did and put it, in, you know, on the toe of their kicker, Justin Tucker like that. I mean, it's just that, that was that was a lot of fun. But, yes, we've got Saturday football. It's a holiday season. We've got games on Saturday afternoon and. They may not be the sexiest games, but you're going to see Aaron Rodgers and maybe see Aaron Rodgers win another MVP the way he's playing. And we get to see another Buffalo game where, you know, this team just looks like they have all the pieces necessary to be able to play well in January. Yeah, we've we've got plenty to get to, as always, excited to go through this stuff with you, Baldy. We'll highlight some coaches uh, who we really think have done a really good job coming off of last week get into some individual players who we need to shine a light on. And then as always spin it forward with a look at some of the key games for week 15. Um, Baldy, I I don't know what to say about Chase Young. I, I really don't know what else to say about the Washington football team's front four. Um, they're not going to get much on offense and, and Alex Smith is going to throw it, you know, for five yards an attempt. That's what it is. Um, Gibson banged up at running back, you know, scary Terry. It's got to be yak. Cause they're not really getting a lot of air yards. 
But you don't need an offense at all when your defense scores two touchdowns, when Chase Young's the best athlete on the field. Um, Young and Sweat, that that's, to me, top five bookends. Deron Payne is a thing. He is um, emerging as a real talent. And, Baldy, I don't know that Jonathan Allen will necessarily maybe be who they drafted him to be, but he's certainly uh, a starting caliber defensive lineman in this league. And when you put him around those other three, um, I think he's in a position to to fare well also. I love the way Bostick's been showing up for them at the linebacker position. Maybe you don't need an offense when your front seven's that good. Well, it's really, it, it, you know, it, it, they are building a championship caliber defense. And while statistically, you know, they're not the best defense in football, I think they're the most feared defense in football right now. Because if you make a mistake, you know, when you have the speed of, uh, Montez Sweat and Chase Young at those positions. And then you have the enforcers of DeShazer Everett and Cameron Curl and some of those guys at safeties. Um, they cover up a lot of weaknesses. They score points. And what they did to San Francisco last weekend, Jason, you just don't see in the NFL. You don't see, um, you know, Kevin Pierre-Lewis just blow up Kyle Juszczyk. I mean, it just doesn't happen. To see them physically whip the 49ers the way they did, that was an eye-opener to me because there's not many teams that can play defense like that. And, you know, they're going to face Seattle. We'll get to the game this week. But what they are building right now defensively, but this could be the blueprint and really the style of defense that everybody will try to emulate. Not everybody can get Chase Young and Montez Sweat to start with. But when you put speed on the field with an intelligent plan, and then you put violence with that, like there, it, what it does, Jason, it, it sort of makes all the, and I'm not taking a shot here at, at Kyle Shanahan, but it takes away all the geniuses in offense. It takes away all the schemes in offense, all the quarterbacks that want to just run magic tricks out there. It sort of eliminates all of that. And it just exposes what you are offensively. And it is a joy to watch because we have, altered the game in a way that we had to, to make it safer for eight-year-old kids that want to play, parents that allow their eight-year-olds to play, and really to keep guys healthy long after they're done playing. I mean, all those things. But within those parameters, this is the defense right now that can hurt you. They can intimidate you, and they can hurt you. And I can't wait to watch them on Sunday, Jason. Well, and Baldy, I keep going. I have a I have a third grader, and you know, a lot of times I'll help him with his math. And I'm sure you guys remember greater than, less than, equal to, right? And you got the Pac-Man. It's like Pac-Man facing one way, and then Pac-Man facing the other way, and then an equal sign. I keep coming back to this equation for the Washington football team. My four greater than your six, right? You could try to block their four with six. They're still gonna wreck you enough to where you've got to think twice about, and you can only max protect so much. And once you start doing that, to your point, now you've taken the genius of Kyle Shanahan away because it's not going to be about the multiplicity of his outside zone runs and cute stuff he could do with his fullback and his tight end. Everybody's got to stay home to block. Well, the, the the other thing is, you know, when you if you talk, you know, if when you scout players, Jason, you know, you you scout and you study the movement of those players, and the movement tells you whether they're going to be a gifted player in this business. I mean, you can you can quantify it at the combine with numbers and all that kind of stuff, but it's about the way people move. And when you watch Chase Young move, 
he's what he's doing to Washington what Nick Boza did to the 49ers last year. And you talk about a Jonathan Allen or a Deron Payne. He simply makes everybody better. I mean, his his ability to scoop up that fumble and score the other day, I mean, he made it look so easy and effortless, but that's his movement. Everything is easy and effortless. Well, and then he ran away from everybody. They took he his ball and went him. home. Yeah. So, you know, and so even when you get a quarterback, I mean, look, Nick Mullen is, is you know, he's just a backup quarterback. I'm not taking a shot here at Nick. But in this business, when you get quarterbacks to move, and it doesn't matter if it's Phillip Rivers who just wants to stick on a postage stamp five yards behind the center, or you have a Kyler Murray or a Russell Wilson, whatever, uh, a Jalen Hurts, you have one of those players back there. As soon as you get them to move and you let Sweat or Chase Young, you let them guys get after it, Like you're not going to ever be able to set your feet and make throws. They eliminate that. And it's just something to watch. And they're having, you know, Jack Del Rio has, has built a, a plan right now where there's a lot of freedom for those guys to kind of do some things. And then, but within a framework of how we're going to play. And so, you know, coverages and blitzes and all that kind of stuff. But they're, they've got a lot of freedom to go use their abilities. And so credit Jack, uh, but really uh, this defense, they're at number six in points given up. I think they're just going to keep rising here in the last three weeks. I'm with you, Baldy. And hey, we, like everybody else, have had our share of fun at the NFC least expense. But in the last month, there's a bunch of teams playing good football in that division. And even the Philadelphia football Eagles got off the mat. The quarterback change worked. There was a different spark. The run action stuff, the mesh point stuff was a problem for a Saints defense that hadn't given up anybody running the ball for 100 yards on them in, what, 55 uh, fifty-five quarters or games or whatever the hell it was. Um, they had two guys go over 100. And so much to me, Baldy, opens up for Sanders when you have to have those linebackers or somebody key on the quarterback no matter what. It reminded me of early period Carson Wentz before he was making $30 million a year before he had the injury out there in LA, you know, blowing out the knee the first time where they could kind of play a little bit of kamikaze with the quarterback position. Uh, I don't know how they don't keep riding this and the defense is ferocious and you run the ball a little bit and let that defense and that front four with that rotation catch their breath. All of a sudden they become a bigger problem again. Well, it, it, that's all true, Jason. I mean, Carson Wentz was sacked 50 times in 12 starts. Jalen Hurts went out there against the best defensive football, a team that was playing the best defensive football, and he didn't get sacked once. Now, why is that? I mean, it was it, it? it's because, one, he got the ball out of his hands quickly and accurately so that if you throw the ball to Miles Sanders in the first play of the game and it's just a swing route, you put it right on a tee, where he could catch it and run for nine yards after the catch. You don't have to, like, go chase it. doesn't have to stop to catch it. It's right in the right place. So it's short area quickness and accuracy. The throw, the touchdown throw to give him a 7-0 lead to Alshon Jeffrey was a classic Saints blitz. Quan Alexander came free, and he blasted uh, Jalen Hurts. In fact, he was penalized for unnecessary roughness. The throw was a perfect throw. It's a type of throw that – you know, you have to make if you want to win big games. And it was against Marshawn Lattimore. He put it right where he had to put it. And so that, that's that. And then, you know, they start, they tried to spy him with Quan Alexander and other players that didn't work. Uh, like a lot of spies don't work against guys 
that are really fast. And I said this, Jason, I said this about Jalen Hurts. I remember I did an Alabama-Texas A&M game about three or four years ago down at Tuscaloosa. And, you know, Miles Garrett was chasing him. All these guys at A&M was chasing him. And I said, I don't know how fast Jalen Hurts is, and I still don't. But he's as fast as he needs to be. And that's, that's, that's what he was on Sunday. He was as fast as he needs to be. I mean, watching Trey Hendrickson and Cam Jordan and, you know, Demario Davis chase him sideline to sideline. I mean, I was getting tired for those guys. Their tongues were dragging on the floor at Lincoln Financial Field. And so all he, he gave all that. But then, you know, you mentioned the word spark and everybody, you know, we throw that word in there. I, it's more than a spark. There was real leadership out there on the field and everybody fed off it. It was the best football game the Eagles have played in well over a year. And it was the best the defense played by far. And there's just something about that position, Jason. We have all seen it, felt it. We all look to try to quantify it. Nothing really hits the spot until you just watch it. And you see the team just react. And the Eagles look like a different football team. This isn't a one game or two game. I think this thing is going to ride, first of all, through the rest of the season, depending regardless what happens. And it may very well ride into the future. Well, we're going to stay in that division, and I'm going to be like Big Ben at the line of scrimmage and call an audible here because this isn't in the rundown, but I just think it makes sense here. Um, Another team that made a quarterback decision in the NFC lease that I believe backfired was the complete opposite was Joe judge deciding to, to play um, uh, Jones in the first place. And and then to let him play the second half, when I thought at halftime, it was screaming out for a change. Um, Baldy, their equation is, is pretty easy, right? They win with their defense. Don't turn it over. They need four, you know, three to five explosive runs from the quarterback and they need him to be able to make plays outside the pocket, you know, use that that ability, that athleticism to then uncork the big arm downfield rolling out. Well, when he's playing on one leg and your O-line's not having their best day and you just saw Colt McCoy keep it simple, stupid, to help dismantle Seattle on the road the week before, that, that might be the one that got away, Baldy, because Arizona wasn't exactly gangbusters, but – you keep the Giants' defense on the field all day, they're going to eventually wilt. You know, I mean, look, the, the flaw, the major glaring flaw in Daniel Jones is just ball security. To see Hassan Reddick, I mean, the five sacks are the five sacks. But three, the three forced fumbles, two with Daniel Jones, I mean, they're just you – know, th- those are the things you just you just can't live with. And, you know, not, you're right. I mean, the offensive line, I mean, Hassan Reddick beat everybody. Beat Camp Fleming. He beat, you know, he he beat Andrew Thomas. He beat them all, um, which was disappointing. But because they had not played like that, I mean, that was a breakdown up front. But the ball security, I'm with you. Like, if he really, can't move, Baldy, get him off the field. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I I mean, I don't know what he was looking at. First of all, Daniel Jones is. I mean, he's their starter and all that kind of stuff. But if he's if he can't get out of harm's way because of his condition, then. You have to you have to weigh that into what he's doing and how unproductive he was. And at some point, you just got to say, you know, pull the plug. It's, it's like what the Eagles did was we've seen enough of Carson. It, we just have to make this move. You have to. And I thought Joe Judge missed that chance on Sunday in a game that was still very winnable 
But the way the offense played, they were just giving the ball back to him. Yeah, no, it was a, that was a tough watch. Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky have been a tough watch for, I don't know, most of the last couple of calendar years. However, Baldy, they got off the mat in a big way, uh, really systematically dismantled uh, the Texans for the better part of four quarters. What did you like there that the coaching staff was doing with a quarterback who we all know has his limitations? Jason, you remember the old commercial, Cannon commercial, like just point and shoot. Like he, he, they, Matt Nagy turned Mitch Trubisky, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, into a, a Canon camera ad. Like this is where there, there's no more reading. There's no more deciphering. We're going to create plays, and I want you to point, shoot, and throw to this guy. That's, that's where it's at. Two weeks ago, they put 30 up against Detroit. They put 30 up at halftime, you know, against the Texans. Now, they're they're both bad defenses. But still, you put up 30 at halftime. I, I don't remember a Bears team to ever do anything like that, ever. Uh, now, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'm missing. Yeah, no, I mean, it's been, it's been a minute. I can tell you that. But, you know, the way that he has sculpted this offense, I mean, it, it helps that Dave Montgomery goes 80 yards in the first play. Yeah. You know, that, that helps. I mean, you get you get a little juice there, even to if there's any cardboard fans at Soldier Field. Um, they might have stood up, you know, if there were. But but really, when you watch, okay, Allen Robinson's your number one wide receiver. He's really dependable. Uh, he, he's got a he's a great target. Like, we're going to get him going. Uh, we're going to use these motions, and we'll get this ball to Darnell Mooney. We're going to throw this screen pass here. We're going to go play action pass, and we're going to run the speedo route. And if you don't if it's not there immediately, I want you to throw it right here. And really, the, here's this tight end screen to Cole Komet. We'll just hold it, wait, count to two seconds, and then throw it to Cole Komet. I mean, it was really that simple. And now, you know, it gets a little bit better, a little tough for this week against Minnesota. But it to me, it might be too late, Jason, it, but they have found a way to at least get production from the quarterback because – they were the most unproductive uh, quarterback position in the NFL all season long. And the last two weeks, really the last two and a half weeks, you can see a change. And that's a credit to Matt Nagy and his staff saying, okay, John Filippo and Will Fury and, you know, a lot of guys that are on that staff, you go, all right, he's not going to read it. He's not going to understand. This is what we're going to do. And that's what they've done. And we'll, we'll see if it can continue this weekend against the Vikings. Well, Baldy, a team that all of a sudden, and it's odd to say this because they have been one of the more exciting offensive teams over the last decade, but a team that can't get anything going on offense whatsoever, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Buffalo's a good defensive team. I think we both agree this year's version hasn't been close to last year's version, and they're peaking at the right time, but they haven't been stifling. Pittsburgh Steelers go one for 10 on third down against them, despite never having anything more than a third and nine. 224 yards of offense, Baldy, 2.8 yards per rush. Pittsburgh Steelers managed to hold the ball for all of 24 minutes and 45 seconds. Buffalo had it for 11 minutes more. Pittsburgh Steelers the last five weeks, Baldy, averaged 47 passes a game and 19 runs. Ben Roethlisberger the last four weeks has a QB rating of 82.85, 26th in the NFL. They live in empty set. They're starting to die in empty set. Baldy, the last four weeks, Ben 
has attempted the second most passes in the NFL. Only Herbert's attempted more. 5.48 yards per attempt. That is 33rd in the league. That is unfathomable. The league average is seven. We all look at Alex Smith and say, that's about as limited as you can be with a guy trying to take care of him and not hold the ball too long and get rid of it. Even Alex Smith is at 5.76 yards per attempt the last four weeks, Baldy. He's also thrown five picks in four games, which is tied for second highest. I don't think it's getting any better. They can't run the football. The O-line's more banged up. Ben doesn't want to get hit, and I understand that. He thinks the only way to win is keep spreading them out, throw it for three yards, let Juju play quarter, a wide receiver like a running back, absorb 15 hits to get a first down. Um, Ebron, when you throw to him that much, I got news for you. If he had hands, he wouldn't be on his third team. He's going to drop balls. Deontay Thompson, he drops balls. It's baked into the cake. And the defense is is slowly by attrition slipping. I think this team is in big trouble. Uh, all those things, I mean, all those are facts. Um, and they all support what everybody thinks, that this team is is really in trouble. I said weeks ago that records don't matter in this league. It's how you're playing. And so we all recognize that this team is, is struggling. Now, uh, a couple things. One, if you want to throw it that much, it's a, it'd be good if you didn't drop more passes than any other team in the league. So that's, you know, the defense can still keep you in games unless you're throwing pick sixes, you know, to Terrence Johnson. All right. I mean, that was the first touchdown of the game. Uh, the defense was, I mean, Josh Allen and that offense had struggled the entire game up until that point. Uh, they finally got Stephon Diggs going in the third quarter and he was unstoppable. Uh, but but th- right now, when you don't commit to the run, you never become a good running football team. So there's no commitment to it. Now, it, they may be calling runs. Ben, ben might be checking out. He's got uh, autonomy. But, but, you know, but that happens sometimes. But overall, there's there's no commitment to the run. But then it's difficult to commit to the run when you're bad at it. And so when you watch them not move the line of scrimmage, they're not blocking well up front. Uh, I don't care if James Conner's on the field or not on the field. Benny Snell, pick a guy back there. Um, they're not productive running the football. They have zero balance. They get no play action off it. It's just shotgun spread, you know, dink dunk. And they're not getting any big chunk plays right now. And so they're, they're in a world of trouble right now. And there has been a lot of attrition. Obviously, they're down to Avery Williamson and Marcus Allen at linebacker right now. Uh, and I don't know what the health status of you know any of the other guys are at this point. But some of those guys, you know, might not come back. Uh, Bud Dupree is, you know, you're just losing. He's not coming back. Alex Highsmith is going to be a good player, but he's not Bud Dupree right now. So I would say that, you know, they're going to get to the postseason, but I don't know who in the AFC they could beat right now. You know, I mean, it, it, just pick a team, uh, you know, whether it's Buffalo, Cleveland, Baltimore, Miami, Kansas City. I, I don't know a team that they can beat. And we'll just see if they, you know, they haven't clinched the division yet. Let's just see if they win the division and play it, you know, play a game in Heinz Field. That's not to be determined yet. And Baldy, for the first time in, I don't know, 15 years, I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback room and I look at everybody else in that division and I I would take everybody's quarterback position over that. I, I just would. To think that a, at age 39, right? At Pittsburgh, it's all about Lombardi trophies. It's not about going in nine and seven and hoping we're the second wild card. Ben at age 39, 
we'll have more Alchies next year. The offensive line is getting long in the tooth already. I don't know how you're going to be able to just send him and Mason Rudolph to training camp and think we're good at quarterback. I, I wouldn't be comfortable with that personally if I were them. And they can, they're kind of like New England. They, they'd rather cut the cord a year early than a year late. And Ben's a different category. And I get that. And he only has one year left on his deal. But if I'm them and 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 it goes like you and I think it's going to go one and done in the playoffs, I think you have to re- – and you're going to have another market flooded with quarterbacks available from $1 million to $5 million, the Jameis Winstons, the Andy Dalton, all these guys. I don't, I'm not buying Mason Rudolph. I didn't draft him. I, I, I got no skin in the game. They do. But I, I, I would be thinking very strongly about adding another element because it's not how you well, start they, a season. They, it's how you finish. I don't think Ben next December is going to look like a Hall of Famer again. Well, I mean, they've been drafting quarterbacks for 15 years. I mean, Landry Jones, Mason Rudolph. I mean, you know, I don't think any of them are the answer to how Pittsburgh wants to play. I mean, I, I think they're going to have to go into the quarterback market. Um, you know, and, you know, we'll see if, you know, New Orleans has the answer there with Drew Brees, but like, or what Tampa does, you know, when Brady steps aside. I mean, all these guys are looking at the very end. The only guy in that age category that is playing like lights out is Aaron Rodgers. And I mean, he he very well could easily be the MVP of this business this year. But uh, look, I, I agree. Like there's, there's zero movement to Ben. The ball has to come out in two seconds. Anything more than that right now, you know, he's not going to escape. He's not going to get away. And, you know, for whatever reason, the offense right now just looks really stale, and he's a part of it. Yeah, that's going to be a fascinating offseason there because last year they wouldn't even entertain Jameis Winston for a million bucks. I think they better rethink that this this year. The absolute opposite end of the quarterback spectrum we saw in that very game, Buffalo and Pittsburgh. Boy, Josh Allen, man, when he rolls to his right and throws back across his body at like 95 miles an hour on a dime, it's something special. Baldy, I got to admit, I was a Josh Allen skeptic. I knew he was a gamer. I thought he'd be a playmaker. I thought he'd be a guy who could get you to the playoffs. But if you would have told me his rookie season that, hey, in two years, he's going to complete 70% of his passes and they're going to be a lot of low percentage passes, I would have said that he's going to lead the league in picks. And then if you would have told me, no, no, he's going to be he's going to have one of the lower interception percentages, I would have told you you're crazy. I was I, I was always a Josh Allen fan, but I would never have predicted this type of development. And it's a credit. I mean, it's a real credit right now to the entire staff and the belief in how they built around him. But one of the most amazing things, I mean, Stephon Diggs leads this league in catches right now with 100. First one to 100 catches. He simply took over the game against the Steelers in the third quarter last week. And when you watch the connection between Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. It's amazing, considering there's no offseason, preseason, nothing. I mean, you show up week one, and you start throwing footballs to Stephon Diggs, and it looks like, you know, what, say, Philip Rivers was with Keenan Allen or Peyton Manning was with, you know, Marvin Harrison. I mean, it looks like that type of connection. And and it's not like he can't throw it to Cole Beasley or John Brown or, you know, uh, Gabriel Davis. I mean, he spreads the ball around. But my goodness, the connection with Diggs is amazing. And they need it. I mean, they they struggled early in that game. They they turned it over and did a couple of things. But he is he's Ben Roethlisberger 15 years ago right now. 
I mean, he's just big, strong, sturdy, athletic, and incredibly poised. I mean, you just can't, you just keep seeing the poise in how he plays. Nothing ruffles that guy, nothing. And, you know, I mean, to, to see where he's come from out of Wyoming to where he is now, it's an amazing journey. And I, you know, I know people still want to say, well, we got to see him in a big game. Well, you're going to see him in big games and we'll evaluate him. There is a difference when you get to the postseason. But I believe that this team is going to win games in the postseason and probably win games because of his play and his abilities. And I and, and I think we we still haven't seen the zenith. Like this isn't still an ascending player. So I mean, if there's one team out there that you know said, okay, this is the blueprint to how to build a consistent playoff team. Uh, you know, it's Buffalo. And give credit to Brandon Bean and to, you know, you know, Sean McDermott and to that staff because they never stopped building around Josh Allen, young running backs, upgrading the offensive line, nonstop receivers, young tight ends. I mean, they, they, they had a plan and they are executing the plan. Absolutely. Congrats on both of their contract extensions. Very well-deserved. A couple of other individuals we wanted to highlight in the AFC East, both with the Miami Dolphins. I know they don't show moral victories in the standings, Baldy, but I, I thought they showed a hell of a lot of fight and will um, and playmaking ability against the Chiefs. Came up a little short. Um, but, I mean, Xavier Howard now. I mean, I, I know there's a lot of guys, J.C. Jackson and Kenny Moore, who are making incredible plays and, and picking up a lot of interceptions. Um, but you got Xavier Howard now with nine picks on the year, 21 in 52 career games. That's pretty staggering. He and Byron Jones, even in a, on a day where the linebacking core was kind of decimated by injury, the, the 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 back, you know, seven, if you will, more than held their own and, and kept the, the, the Chiefs in check and really um, kind of flummoxed Patrick Mahomes in the first, you know, 20 minutes of that game. And then I thought, I thought Tua on the other side, Baldy, I mean, Spags was like, all right, you know, this isn't we're having a little bit of a tough day here. I'm going to throw the kitchen sink at him in the second half and rattle him. And he was finding his hots. He was anticipating where the pressure was coming from. He was so poised, rolling out when he had to, staying in the pocket with a quick hitter when he had to. Um, I, I thought far and away uh, his most polished performance as a pro. Well, I can tell you watched the tape this week, Jason. You studied it hard. I'm in agreement with all those things. Uh, let's start with the Xavier Howard first. I mean, first of all, Patrick Mahomes has, th- has started 49 games in this league, including the postseason, Jason. In the first 48 games that he played, he threw three interceptions in a game once against the Rams two years ago. This was the second time he did it. The interception by Xavier Howard, first of all, he's guarding Tyreek Hill, yeah. who you know has more touchdown passes than anybody right now. Yeah. But his, I remember talking to Darrell Rivas one day about cornerback play, and he said, you know, there's three phases that you have to be great at if you want to be a great corner. You have to win at the line of scrimmage. You've got to win in the stem. That means during the route. Yeah. And you've got to win with the ball in the air. And Xavier Howard is one of the few that can do that right now. But his interception came against Tyreek Hill. And there's nobody in this business, that there's no other corner in this league right now, that if they're guarding Tyreek Hill, one-on-one with no help would ever look back for the ball. Right. If you look back for the ball and you're running with Tyreek Hill, it's over. The track meet's over. He looked back for the ball while he's covering Tyreek Hill to find it. 
and then made a leaping one-handed catch with the ball in the air. I mean, I think even Patrick Mahomes would say, I mean, if we had him wired up, you go, man, that's one hell of a play. Right, hats that, off, yeah. By that quarter. I, I, yeah, exactly, hats off. He, he, you know, if you put Byron on the other side, Byron Jones, I mean, you know, Brian Flores has done a great job. You know, and, and when you go to Tua, I'm, I'm looking at this one grease board up here, Jason, in my office at NFL Films. And Spags was in here two years ago when, when he was sitting out for a year. And I still have his splits packages on my grease board. And I'm looking at them, and I saw every one of them on Sunday. They threw every blitz you can at Tua. And, they, you know, they were up 30 to 10. They had sitting there comfortable. And, you know, all the receivers are hurt. Yeah. Devontae Parker's out. All these guys are throwing Gisecki, a foul. Gisecki's gone. No more jump balls to the 6'8 guy. I mean, He's out. The, the throw to Gasicki in the end zone, I mean, you have to have the guts of a burglar to make that throw. Now, Gasicki is a rising star in yeah. this league. I mean, he's a world-class volleyball player. I mean, he's got hops like he's coming off of a springboard, you know. But and and he and he's got great hands. He's he's going to be a, a star in this league. But I'm telling you, I watched every one of those throws in slow motion. First of all, you can't harass him. Right. You can't fit. You can't hit him enough. That guy's ability to escape, eyes down the field, set his feet like he's Drew Brees, make these throws, and when he misses. It's by fractions. Yeah. I mean, the guy has got it all. He really does. And, I, I mean, that was a great – sometimes you learn a lot more in defeats than you do in victories. I mean, to, to take the best blows from Steve Spagnola with his mess, many chess pieces, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Tyron Matthews, yeah. the chess pieces they have at their disposal. And to, to say, okay, this rookie quarterback and his sixth start, there's no way. I mean, that was impressive to watch him play. One other team I wanted to highlight before we start to preview some of these games. We mentioned earlier in the show how limited the Giants offense was, how they had no chance to compete on offense with the quarterback who couldn't move. And that was still a struggle for the Arizona Cardinals. And I don't really know. And Cliff Kingsbury said as much a couple weeks ago. I'm not sure exactly what we are on offense. Um Everything has slowed down in the second half of the year. They seem hesitant to run Kyler as much, which I get, and he had the shoulder thing. But if they don't run him, Baldy, they don't stay on the field. Teams are taking away Hopkins. Um, Christian Kirk's production has really slowed down. And they're not really special defensively, and that's a tough division. Um, They may still get into the playoffs, but I, I find myself, they kind of still look to me, Baldy, like a team in transition. I, I came into the year really wanting to buy them and buy into what they could be, but I'm not sure that's who they are. Well, I think you need to have more than just a great athlete at quarterback. I think the quarterback has got to be able to quickly pre-snap at the snap, decipher defenses, and let the defense determine where you go with the ball. It can't be predetermined, and you can't just escape and exhaust defenses by just zigzagging through them. I mean, you that you're just not going because at some point, um, you you just you can't be accurate enough on the throws. And I always believe that, regardless of how great an athlete Kyler is, and we know what he is, that if you're just running for your life on every play, when you're exhausted or tired, you just can't be accurate. You just can't. Like you just you're just not going to set your feet right. You're just not going to follow through correctly. And so I think there's a curve here for Kyler to really improve 
beyond just being a great athlete and having a good arm. I, 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 there's got to be a phase here where it's going to be, okay, here's this high-low concept, read this safety, read this flat uh, defender, whatever. And I think that's still a process right now for Kyler and for Cliff uh, because they're, they're not a, a, a great offense right now. I mean, they can still have a great play. Uh, you can win a game with a Hail Mary with two great athletes, but you can't consistently move the ball. And as you get deeper in the season, and if you would get to January, we've seen plenty of quarterbacks fail in January in the postseason because they're just not good players. And better defenses take those simple things away. And so, and the gifts away. They don't, they don't just break down. And that's why only a handful of guys are ever consistent in the postseason. But it's because all of their mechanics and all of their preparation really shines when you get to that level. And I think Kyler, should he get there, will still struggle. Uh, but, it, you know, they're going to struggle against the Eagles this week uh, with the front that they have and the things that Jim Schwartz can do. Yeah, I I don't have a lot of faith in Arizona's ability to move the ball right now, Baldy. Well, let's go ahead and spin it forward to week 15. I can't believe we're here already. Uh, Start with a Thursday night game. Chargers and Raiders. Uh, Baldy, this Raiders team is looking a lot like the one that was 6-4 and last year and the bottom fell out. And they, They let go of defensive coordinator Paul Gunther this week, and I sort of have a theory on that. Um, A lot of times we watch football and we see teams that can't move the ball at all on offense, like Chicago. We talked about them a few years ago, a few weeks ago. When you get to a point where the defense stops believing in the offense whatsoever, then even a great defense can start to slip. It's human nature. You feel like you got to be perfect to win. You're trailing a game early and things start to tail off. I think John Gruden being the offensive quarterback guy he was, ultimately fired Paul Gunther, not because the defense wasn't getting any better, because it wasn't going to get really much better, but because it was starting to affect the offense, that the offense was starting to feel like, damn, we got to score 45 to win. And Derek Carr went from Derek Carr game manager to Derek Carr gunslinger a little more than he probably should. And now there's problems developing on offense. And we don't have Jacobs at 100%. We can't just run it through Jacobs and Waller. So I need to do something to send a signal to my offense that I got you. You know, we're going to try something different on that side of the ball. But you guys, please, you know, Carr, I need you to complete 72% of your passes and we can't have more than a turnover or a game or, or this whole thing falls apart. I agree, Jason, that um, when a team is just split, one side really bad, the other side pretty good, <clears throat> that it does wear down teams. And you almost can get splits in the locker room. And that's difficult. Uh, you know, look, Paul Gunther is the fall guy in this whole thing. Um but it also becomes a fall guy when Rod Marinelli's sitting there and he's got the relationship he has with John. Um, you know, John is, I mean, he, he, he's a, he's an offensive coordinator. He needs somebody to run the defense. I mean, he's, he can't really impart uh, great wisdom to the defense. So that's Rod Marinelli's job. So, I mean, it makes it easy for Paul Gunther to be the fall guy. Maybe the team reacts to it. I mean, I, I, I feel like I know Rod pretty well. I mean, he's going to tell these guys, that if you think you play or are playing hard enough, I'll show you how you can play harder. I mean, he'll he'll probably uncork that next level if there is one in them. But I mean, Mike Mayock told me five weeks ago we're, we're not very good on defense, and so I mean, you know, the, this game with the Chargers, 
you know, it came down to the final two plays the last time they played, and the Raiders made two plays in the end zone to win the game, but they could have just as easily lost that game. So, uh, you know, they they don't have the pieces that they need. I mean, they played pretty well in the offensive line with a lot of backup guys uh, throughout the season, but that's starting to wear thin right now. And, you know, it, it, they have to play a perfect style right now to win games. And if their car is putting the ball on the ground or the defense is just giving up explosive plays, you know, just watching um, last week, you know, the wide receiver just run right through uh, Jonathan Abrams right in front of him. I mean, even Jonathan Abrams just turned his head around going, that, that's on me. Like he knew it, you know. And so they're just – they're not coordinated very well defensively and they're not very talented. They don't have a great pass rusher at all. And so from that standpoint, you know, they do struggle. Yeah, Herbert to me has hit the wall a little bit here the last couple of weeks too. It'll be interesting to see how they respond on a short week. Uh, we hit on the Bears earlier in the show and – um your your uh, praise of, of what Matt Nagy's done with that quarterback the last few weeks. The Vikings, I mean, if the kicker shows up, uh, they don't get a bad call against them on that DPI at the end of the half. Then I think maybe they're able to stick with Dalvin Cook and run him another 15 times in the second half, and maybe they mess around and beat the Bucks. None of that happened. Now they're sitting there with the Bears. Baldy, I got to be honest, I don't think either of these teams are getting in, but whoever loses it is done. Yeah, it's an elimination game. You know, the winner gets to 500, and they, you know, they have another week. Uh, they get a respite, and, you know, they get another week to, you know, to fight and claw and try to get another win. But the loser's out, and, you know, they'll, they'll cave, it'll cave in. I mean, if Minnesota loses this game, I mean, all the rookies might start, you know, um, going forward. I mean, they're, they're, they're playing enough of them as it is right now. The, 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 the calls against the Vikings at the end of that first half were – I mean, I never like to let the referees and the officials get in the way, but there was, I mean, Harrison Smith lowering his helmet on, you know, Ronald Jones. I mean, it's just calls that you just don't see. The interference call on a Hail Mary pass, it's just bizarre. I mean, you never see that. So, I mean, they gave them 10 points, uh, you know, and so it and did the kicker, take And the kicker cost him another, I mean, let's say he's not going to make three. He should have at least three. made two of those plus at the extra point. That's a touchdown, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so you, I mean, it's just, but, but that, but here they are at six and seven. The, and the, th- the, the shame of it is when you look at Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen, and I know Rudolph didn't play, but if you look at some of the skills that they have, man, they could be really good. Um, you, you really, I mean, I know Derrick Henry leads the league in rushing, but it's hard to find a better running back than Dalvin Cook or a guy that plays harder. Or the right way, Baldy. does all the things that he does. He's got the most touches. He's got the most scrimmage yards. He's got the most touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he, he's having a phenomenal season. He's a great player. But Justin Jefferson, I mean, he's already an elite player. Um, that guy has. He's got two plans. He's got a plan to beat the coverage, and then he's got a plan after the catch. Yeah. I mean, that guy is just an old soul. Um, you know, in a great young, dynamic body. Uh, you know, the way that he plays the game. Um, he, he's he's just a special player. He's already amongst the league's best receivers. And I don't know if he's 21 years old, right. you know. So, I mean, they've got – and Kirk Cousins has played well. He really has. So, you know, uh, it's just it, – it, it's hard because I, I think Minnesota – but I, but this game will eliminate one of those two teams, on you know, this weekend. 
Well, Baldy, we both gushed about the Washington football team's uh, defensive front. They play Seattle. We just saw Seattle um, get exposed by, and Leonard Williams is playing good football, and the Giants have a really good defense. The Giants don't have the front four individual beastly talent that Washington does. And Seattle's offensive line, not great right now. Seattle, another team to me that looks like they're having a little bit of a crisis of confidence. Um, you're going to be at this one, Baldy. What are you What are you looking for? Well, you know, I mean, it'd be nice you know, if you're a Washington fan, if you could score two touchdowns, because I don't know the offense can score two touchdowns. But Seattle, if you can just hold up up front, which I think they can, I mean, Seattle will beat themselves in the back end. They're still not good. They're still not a good secondary. So, I, you know, if Terry McLaurin can get loose here, um, you know, I think – and they, they can – if they can score two touchdowns, they have a chance. Because I think defensively they can keep Seattle under 20 points. And then it comes down to the fourth quarter, and, you know, and who makes the play and who doesn't make the play. But, you know, Russell Wilson, he has shown um, – He's shown that he's capable of turning the ball over this season in bunches. And this is a defense that can cause that to happen. Now, um, they put the – so I want to see Russell Wilson with Wilson trying to be a Houdini back there. If he could take care of the football under the pressure, I believe he's going to be under. They're going to try to run the football. That's what they want to do. Uh, Carson and Hyde, if they're healthy, are pretty good at it. This is a great test for this Washington football team to eliminate that, shut that down, um, just crash that party and put it on Russell Wilson and DK and to lock it and to whatever tight ends are out there. And I, I think Washington has a chance in this game to get their third big upset win in a row. I'm calling 49ers an upset, but certainly Pittsburgh, uh, San Francisco playing at – you know, in Arizona, in this one, I'm, I'm calling for this watch because I, I think this team is just, they're built with this young blueprint. They don't know what they don't know, but they're good at what they do. And they're playing the game with an energy and a confidence that you only hope that you can have and bottle uh, when you get to mid-December. And I, I think they have that. Baldy, a key interdivision game, and and look, I don't think the pay, the AFC is tough. I, I don't. I think the Patriots getting in at this point is probably a bridge too far. But they face Miami. We know what Bill Belichick has done to young quarterbacks through the course of his career. This is uncharted territory for Brian Flores for pretty much that entire Dolphins organization. Um, they might be looking over their shoulders a little bit. The pressure might be getting to them. The margins are slim. Miami has a tough schedule to to go. They still have uh, Buffalo in Week 17. Now, maybe Buffalo have nothing to play for in that game. We don't know just yet. Um, New England's content to just use Cam as a sledgehammer, and, and I assume he's going to try to tire out that Dolphins defense with multiplicity in the run game. The Patriots know their limitations. Um, do you think New England can, you know, they can't get in. You know this. Bill does not want to finish below 500, and Bill wants to wreck a few other people's seasons on the way out. Oh, and, and certainly, you know, one of his, you know, former disciples. How does you know, it? Disciples. Yeah. I mean, he, he he loves defeating, you know, yep. any coach that's left the nest. Yep. Um, so there's there's no there's never any love lost. I mean, when they're gone, they're gone, and they're forgotten. 
Bleep um, they may have a reunion on Bill's boat, you know, 10 years right. from now right. and kind of reflect back and right. tell some stories. But, you know, in the meantime, um, once they leave, like they're enemy number one. Yes. Um, I Washington, I think Miami is still, I mean, they're just a better football team. Yeah. The problem is, is that Miami's strength really doesn't do you any good against an offense Secondary. Yeah. that has, you know, a Patriot offense that has like zero playmakers. And so, you know, what is Xavier Howard? I mean, I mean, he's like that right fielder in T-ball right now. Like, what is he going to do on Sundays? You know, so you're right. I mean, this, you take the under in the game. I think the Dolphins are just a better team. I think they'll do all the things that, that Bill knows how to do to ruffle a guy like Tua and to force him into mistakes. Um, you know, that's what they're going to be banking on their man coverage and their disguises and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I think Tua's too smart for that. So, and, and although Miami can't run the ball and their offensive line got exposed last week yeah. uh, for what they might be, uh, which is a real problem. I think defensively Miami is still um, more talented right now and better. And so I, I'll take Miami's defense against the Patriots defense in this game. And Baldy last, but certainly not least the game of the weekend, perhaps a Super Bowl preview. Thankfully for my employers at CBS, we have this game on our airways with Jim Nance and Tony Romo on the call. 425 Eastern Time, Sunday afternoon. Chiefs versus Saints. Kansas City, Baldy, I think we'd all agree they don't – they're coasting. To me, they start some games in neutral and then eventually get into fifth gear and then gear down. Some games they start in fifth gear, coast for two quarters, and then gear back up when they have to. They haven't stayed in top gear for four quarters very often. They don't have to this time of year. Um, but I just wonder if that's going to be a thing when they play better teams. The Saints might be the best team in football, might be the most balanced team in football. From everything I'm hearing as we chat on Wednesday morning, um, it's going to be Taysom Hill and no Drew Brees available. So you don't get the full Saints experience when they have both of their quarterbacks and Taysom Hill's playing special teams and Taysom Hill's running the ball and throwing the ball and lining up in the slot and lining up like a fullback and all that multiplicity. Um, but I also think that Saints defense is going to have something to prove after slipping up for the first time in a long time. Uh, yep. I agree with all that. Uh, I like, uh, I like the chess pieces that Steve Spagnola has defensively. Uh, Tyron Matthew is as crafty and gifted a player um, at that position in the NFL. And he's going back home, down, back down to New Orleans. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, there's something about Louisiana kids, New Orleans yeah. kids going back and playing in that building. I mean, they grew up idolizing the Saints, watching the Saints, LSU, all that stuff. So you, you when you have a Tyron Matthew, you've got a Frank Clark, you've got a Chris Jones, You've got, you know, you've got some corners that are really good players. Um, you really can match up and do a lot of different things to Taysom Hill. The Eagles did it last week. I mean, they 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 got after Taysom Hill. He hadn't been hit like that yet in this league. Right. Um, and it really, really nullified. I mean, they got back in the game a little bit. Um, they dinked and dunked away, but they're not getting explosive plays down the field. Uh, that that That's a problem for them. And – I think this Chiefs offense, I I totally agree that they sleepwalk through 
most games. Yeah. For for periods of games, you get up thirty to ten, you kind of go to sleep. Yeah. Um, you turn the ball over three times. This offense, I mean, I charted it last night and watched a lot of it. This offense goes through Travis Kelsey, and Travis Kelsey leads the league in receiving yards right now, Jason. Yeah. And when they they do so many things with him, there's yes, there's Tyreek and there's Clyde Edwards-Helaire. There's all these other pieces. But when Mahomes wants to get the offense ignited, the ball goes to Kelsey. And I think he's going to be a problem for the Saints. And I know, you know, Demario Davis and Quan Alexander and Malcolm Jenkins are all there, and they know that too. But I don't know that there's a way to stop Travis Kelsey because there's, there's the plays that get designed that go through him. And then there's the freelance plays that nobody knows how to defend until you have to defend them. And that's just Mahomes' you know, second gear when he wants to just create and just be the improv master that he is. And I don't know that Marshawn Lattimore or Janoris Jenkins or Cam Jordan or any of these pieces can really affect Patrick Mahomes when he's on. And I feel like the Chiefs will lock in and focus on this game like it's a championship game. And I think you're going to get the best of the Chiefs. And I, I think they're the better team right now, especially, and not a, sh- a knock on Taysom Hill, but especially with Drew Brees not out there. Yeah, it's this will be this will be a heck of a matchup. And again, I I just think the the true Saints offense, um, in 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 every degree, we won't really see until he's got Taysom Hill and Drew Brees back on the field at the same time, which again I think is at least a week away. Well, Baldy, this has been a blast as always. I am super fired up for these games um, and already fired up to chat with you again next Wednesday. This has been another edition of Baldy's Breakdowns here on Radio.com. Please check us out every week, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, uh, rate, review, interact with us on Twitter. I'm at Jason Locking Forward, just like it sounds, I promise. And at Baldy NFL, couldn't be any simpler. Baldy, I, I hope you have a blast with the Seattle and Washington game. And uh, safe travels and and uh, enjoy the whole weekend of games, brother. Yeah, I, I can't wait. Saturday football and then Sunday, it's going to be fun. You know, being able to watch the Washington football team there against uh, a Seattle team. I can't wait for that game. And then, you know, the game that comes around on your air right after, Jason. It's, it's going to be a great weekend. Look forward to it. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Happy holidays to everybody out there. And uh, let's do it again next weekend, Jason. Sounds good, buddy. Happy holidays.